I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Hey there. Today, we're talking about Christ-centered conflict resolution. This is a timely topic because it seems like everywhere we turn, there's conflict. Friendships and family relationships have become strained because we're not sure what to talk about with one another. And then, when we finally bring up a subject that could possibly, in the tiniest way, be debatable, it all goes downhill from there. It seems like people are more concerned with their voice being heard than hearing what others have to say. We don't ask enough questions or share enough of our own personal experience. Instead, we use combative language or passive-aggressive language to prove a point. It's not been going very well. And I'm not saying this from a place of judgment, but rather having participated in and experienced this firsthand myself. I really think that our friends and our family deserve better. So when I heard about Tony Morita's book, Christ-Centered Conflict Resolution, I knew that I had to have him on the show, not only to equip you to navigate conflict, but to help me and my family as well. Now, after this episode, I'd love to know what you thought. I'd love to know how you handle conflict. Do you meet it head on, beat around the bush, or do you avoid it altogether? Let's talk more about this on Instagram and in the Build Your Best Family community group. Are you struggling to keep track of everything that's going on in your family? I get it. Managing everyone's expectations and schedules can be challenging. However, a regular family meeting can change that. These weekly check-ins enable you to approach each week with purpose and more connected to one another. If you need help getting started, download our free family meeting packet, which includes sample agendas and discussion topics. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Tony Morita. Tony is pastor for preaching and vision of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's also the dean of Grimke Seminary and director for theological training for Acts 29. Tony has written several books, including Christ-Centered Conflict Resolution and multiple volumes in the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary Series. He's happily married to Kimberly, and they have five children. Welcome, Tony. It is fantastic to have you here with us today. Thanks, Kimberly. Great to be with you. So a question that we ask all of our guests that I'd love for you to answer is, what is your family known for? Wow. Um, We are very diverse. So I guess I could start there. Uh, We Mm -hmm. have four. uh, I have four Ukrainian children and one Ethiopian uh, as well. So Mm -hmm. the uh, Ukrainians are, we adopted uh, 12 years ago and uh, Joshua from Ethiopia, about 11 years ago. So mm-hmm. it's been uh, quite a journey. So most people see us as, uh, you know, this uh, adoption family that's very diverse and uh, yeah. uh, filled with uh, varying personalities. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is it that you guys like to do together? Um, so we, we, we like to eat together. Uh, I like to cook. <laughs> um, I love Saturdays in particular. I don't like to cook every day. I'm not the everyday yeah. guy, but mm-hmm. the uh, Saturdays, long dinners, uh, sitting outside if the weather is nice. Um, mm-hmm. We like to travel as well. So as uh, often as we can, we try to go to the beach. We're a couple hours from the beach. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a highlight as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a highlight for us to go to the beach, even though we're in New Jersey, it's about an hour to the beach and we kind of, we have to plan ahead just a little bit. Um, but we tried to do a lot more of that this summer because we really have been restricted about what we can do and where we can go. And so the beach has been, been fun to pull together for sure. Yes. All right. So you're here today to talk to us about your book, Christ Centered Conflict conflict resolution. Um, You know, I love this book and I love how honest you are because right in the beginning, you tell us it's written as if people are coming to you because their wife, their husband, their roommate, their coworker, whoever it is, their kids are driving them bananas. So beyond that, I'd love for you to tell me why this book and why now? Yes, I I was not planning on writing this book. I was actually writing a different book and uh, the publishers, my friends at Lifeway, contacted me and said, hey, we, we need somebody to write a book quickly uh, because uh, in the middle of COVID, uh, people mm-hmm. are together more often. We see, we're seeing a lot of conflict under, uh, under our people's roofs and uh, within the church as well um, yeah. as pastors are trying to make decisions about what to do. And there's just a lot of opinion about all of these things. So they said, we want a pastor to write it and we want it to be uh, short. Um, so would you consider writing it? And so uh, my first thought was I actually need a book on conflict <laughs> myself. Um, and I, I've benefited through the years through uh, a great little uh, book called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's significantly bigger. And I wanted something that would be uh, a quick read, uh, mm-hmm. two to three hours max, and a book that could be a resource for pastors or mm-hmm. Christians to give to their friends to who are in a conflict. Mm-hmm. And then after we wrote it, of course, other things happened in society that has made the book more relevant yeah. uh, with uh, racial tensions and uh, political election. And there's yeah. just a lot of causes of division. And I find that a lot of people are not talking together. They're not working through these things. They're right. attacking or avoiding each other, which are the wrong responses yeah. uh, in conflict. So um, I deliberately tried to write a book that was not very step oriented, mm-hmm. but was really focused on the heart and focused on some of the key passages in the in the Bible about how to deal with conflict. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think when you're in a conflict, you don't want a lot of steps. You don't want a lot of material to try, try to work through, but you need some basics. And so the Christ-centered uh-huh. part is really about what what does Jesus have to say about these things? What does the Bible have to say about these things? And how, how does my heart... Uh, uh, you know, respond to, to various uh, issues, and yeah. am I submissive uh, to the scriptures? Am I um, trying to re- react in a way that's not gracious or helpful? So, mm-hmm. really, a book that's going to uh, focus in on the heart. Yeah, yeah, and I, the book was super easy for me to read. I read it pretty quickly. I probably read it in like two or three sittings because I have children. <laughs> I don't get to sit down for long. Um, but I did, I have to be honest, I was a little disappointed in the beginning that there were no steps because I am a tell me what to do and how to say it and I will do it. But I really appreciate by the end of the book, it was really for me just a heart change and a shift and a reorienting back to um, what the Bible says about love, what the Bible says about conflict and, and really back to Christ. Um, yeah. So I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, and I should um, qualify what I what I said about the steps thing. Like yeah. the last chapter is how to be a peacemaker. So that yeah. that is kind of where I try to bring a lot of threads together mm-hmm. that have been talked about in the book. So you do yeah. you're, you're you are able to walk away with some things to go do immediately. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you talk about cravings. They are the things that underline our conflicts. And to, for me, a light bulb went off. It was like that reminder again that it's typically not about the thing we think it is. So talk to us more about that. Yeah, there's a great passage in James 3 and 4 on conflict. And James says in chapter 4, 
uh, where he asked the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And he says, it's, it's that you have cravings within you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all know this experientially, I think, that when, when you don't get what you want, uh, you mm-hmm. see this with little kids and you see it with adults, uh, yeah. you, you tend to take it out on other people. And sometimes these are not uh, sinful things that you might crave. Uh, you know, it could be the good things like comfort or uh, rest or food. And when that's interrupted, uh, it's amazing how irritable we can be, how divisive we can be. Uh, so just trying to, again, shine the spotlight on the heart. And yeah. if our if our cravings and our desires are, uh, you know, Christward instead of uh, self-oriented, uh, it yeah. will lead to a, a, a Christ-like, you know, life and, and relationships. And so, again, just trying to put this spotlight on the importance of cultivating affections for Christ, and mm-hmm. to to recognize that we we are worshipers, and uh, we can even want good things too much, and mm-hmm. that can that can disrupt, you know, our relationships. So, uh, talk a little bit about having inordinate desires. That is, you know, desiring something that's good, but but desiring it too much and making an idol out of it. Um, there, there are relational ramifications to what we're doing uh, in our in our hearts. Yeah. So I have definitely in in the last couple months seen the emphasis I've put on comfort, right? And when that is taken away from me, all of a sudden things start to change. <laughs> so um, I know that you share some personal stories in the book, but talk to me about some of like the cravings that have have led you to have conflict sometimes. Well, I am, I am definitely a guy who has cravings. Uh, I, I am a passionate guy. So when, when I'm hungry, I am irritable. Uh, when, uh, uh, you know, I want rest and that's interrupted or um, I want sleep that's interrupted, that can, mm-hmm. that can be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there have been many cases in, in parenting where kids just got in the way of things that I wanted. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, show forth the fruit of the spirit in these moments. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I, I can easily get in, in the flesh. And so um, those are definitely some things uh, mm-hmm. I think just desire for, for things uh, like money or um, uh, entertainment. Uh, you mentioned comfort. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just think that's a huge one for our day. Uh, mm-hmm. We really are in a uh, in our present context, I think, a comfort driven society. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think we, it, it's helpful to identify the things that are actually causing our conflicts. And so, yeah. um, that, it's that whole idea before you look at the plank in some, or the speck in someone else's eye, consider the plank in your own eye. We're, yeah. we're very e- easily, we, we, you know, we look at the, the fault in another person. And, uh, so I talk in the last chapter, like the first step is actually asking, is there a log in my eye? Like what, what is it that's making me so angry? What is it yeah. that's that's causing me to react in this way. And, uh, and, and when you do that, the good news is you can actually grow mm-hmm. because the, the only, the only risk you have is, is losing the thing that you shouldn't be holding on to. Yeah. Uh, it's a good thing to do this self-examination. Uh, yeah. and that's why, you know, I say in the book, conflict is an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for me to grow and it's an opportunity for the other person to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I I've often found, especially nowadays wanting to be heard and wanting to be seen. Um, everybody's at home now. And as a mom, even as a work from home mom, I'm still taking care of everybody. And a lot of my needs have had to go to the back burner. And I just feel myself saying, can someone just see me, hear me, acknowledge me. And so let's say I'm out to dinner with my husband and I don't feel like that's what I'm getting. 
it doesn't usually end well. <laughs> <laughs> I get easily offended. I'm a little annoyed because he didn't ask me the right question. And then here I am not listening to him. And then by the end of the night, we're like, let's just go home. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and so I yeah. definitely deal with those cravings. And so I can appreciate um, just having those examples to kind of help me identify where I have yeah, those no cravings. Another one I think is vacation. I call it sanctification through vacation that you, you, you have in your mind certain expectations of yeah. what's going, what it's going to be like. And you get there and you realize you got a lot of sinners under one roof and uh, it, it can create a lot of drama. Yeah. 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 You mentioned that in the book. All right. So what does it actually mean to resolve conflict in a Christ centered way? Because I, I, again, like I've heard tips and tricks, but not every, you know, self-help self-growth productivity book brings Christ into it. So what is the difference and, and what is it? Yeah. So I think we're, we're trying to think theologically about conflict and, mm -hmm. and how to resolve it. Most people, I think when they hear conflict resolution, they're thinking about skills mm -hmm. rather than heart. Yeah. And, you know, skills are important. And there are a lot of good books on that out there on communicating and uh, those kinds of things. Yeah. But uh, I'm looking more at really two things. One is our affections and the other is the authority of scripture. Mm -hmm. So if uh, we'll take authority of scripture, if I, a Christ centered conflict resolution would mean I take Jesus's word seriously. And that means even the parts that are very uncomfortable for me. Um, and usually those are the parts I really need the most. Uh, and so when he says something about forgiving enemies or in interrupting worship, so you can go reconcile with a brother, mm -hmm. um, then I have to take that seriously. When he talks about the blessing of being a peacemaker, um, that, that shows how important this thing is that we're talking about, that Jesus includes us in, a, in the, not only includes it, but he also says, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. So they, this is how we represent our, our God is by being a peacemaker. So Christ centered conflict resolution is, is beginning with what, what does Jesus have to say about uh, this particular issue? And he says a lot, he says a lot about relationships. The, the new Testament is laced with, you know, relational language. So yeah. there, there's that. And then there's the affections. So if I might actually agree with what the Bible says as a Christian, mm -hmm. but my heart hasn't caught up with my theology. Yeah. And so um, learning to, uh, adore Jesus and to uh, recognize him as my king and to say, whatever you say, that's, that's what I'm going to go do. Yeah. And if, if, uh, and that means that in this case, someone has something against me, uh, I need to go resolve that. Or uh, I have unforgiveness in my heart, even though I've been forgiven so much, mm -hmm. uh, how can I not forgive this other person? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, Jesus speaks so much about forgiveness in, in the Gospels. So we're thinking theologically uh, uh, in, in a Christ-centered way. Yeah. And I think that's really where the problem lies is, is uh, deep within us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So you also mentioned in your book um, that we have to understand Christian love in order to flourish in our relationships. And so I know we don't have time to talk about all of those characteristics, but um, just give us an example of one that we might tend to forget or one that you stand out as, as one of the most important ones to, to know or remember. Yeah, I think uh, when first John uh, chapter three, when John says, this is how we know love. That's a, it's a great preface. Mm -hmm. So you're just on the, you should be waiting to hear the answer because mm -hmm. there's so many ideas about love today you know love is uh, usually it can you know, uh, sentimentality or the feeling or it's 
Uh, it's romantic, erotic, even. Um, but he says, this is how we know love, that Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And so with that in mind, what what John has said is that love is, is more than words, because Jesus did more than say he loved us. Mm-hmm. It's not sentimentality, because it, it involves sacrificial action. And mm-hmm. not just a feeling, and it's mm-hmm. uh, certainly not romantic in that in that passage. So, what is it? You know, it's 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 a it's compassion that always leads to action. Yeah. And I think to truly be a Christian and to love people requires action, and that that action is often demonstrated. It's demonstrated in various ways, but but trying to resolve conflicts and to be a peacemaker uh, is one of the ways I think we put Jesus's love on display. Um, And Christians have to realize that, uh, you know, our goal is not just to have the absence of strife uh, with a person, but to have the presence of harmony and Mm -hmm. unity and to be together. Uh, I think we, 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 we're, it's, it's far too common to see that happen uh, in a marriage or in a Mm -hmm. church where you just kind of avoid people. You're not dealing with the issues. You're just trying to coexist in a way that you're not at each other's throat. Uh, But the, the love that Jesus displayed uh, on the cross was a love that was reconciling enemies together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an enemy yeah. and, and God together. And so uh, when it comes to love, I, I just think we, we've got to have a, a love ethic that requires activity and action and mm-hmm. initiative, and mm-hmm. we can't be passive about it. Yeah. I know that oftentimes when my husband and I have conflict, um, if I do the thing that doesn't come natural, it's usually always a win. Like if I choose to engage instead of retreat, if I choose to be present instead of avoid and be intentional, it always works. I don't always do it, but it always seems to work. And so I have to remind myself, like coming out of my comfort zone to love and serve, you know, that's the kind of Christian love that we don't see in this world. And that's, that's a game changer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the fruit of the spirit in action is mm-hmm. when we're not operating out of the flesh, but we're relying on the spirit to do the thing that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you talk a bunch, uh, about a bunch of different types of conflict, but I just want to cover real quickly, what's the difference between a minor conflict and a major conflict? Because that makes a difference in how we approach it. Yeah. So major, we're thinking here, it's going to take a process of restoration uh, it may include uh, a, a mediator, a counselor. Um, it may, you know, require some confrontation or uh, even low-level church discipline to to mm-hmm. take a take a brother along to confront someone. Um, it's going to be, in other words, messy. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. not going to be a quick fix usually. And major also means that it's it actually needs to happen. Like we can't overlook this. Mm-hmm. Um, this we we can't. We can't operate as if this, because this would be truly sinful. This would be harmful, not only to the individual who's caused the offense, but also to others. And so we have the obligation to deal with it. So um, that would be kind of the major, uh, you know, uh, categories. Mm-hmm. The minor are these offenses that, you know, you read in, in Proverbs that it's it's a, it's a good thing to overlook an offense. And I think those offenses are the minor offenses. Um, mm-hmm. And minor would be things that are not necessarily sinful in the church, there would be things like things that are preferential. So uh, should we uh, have 130 people in our building instead of 120, right? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. should the service time be 10 or 11 or whatever? 
Um, you, we just want to give grace. We want to be people that overlook certain things. Yeah. I've been preaching this to our church for for since COVID, right? The, yeah. we're, we do not need to get divided over these small things that in hopefully in five years, we'll look back and it's it's going to be a, they're small, they're, they're yeah. minor in the grand scheme of things. The yeah. other thing about a minor offense is it's usually not a pattern. It's it's often, uh, you know, something that happened, it was a one-off or it's it's very unusual that it happens. Mm-hmm. We, we want to overlook things that are not sinful and things that don't just continue mm-hmm. to happen. So um, it's very important because we are in a highly charged, emotionally charged culture yeah. that's easily offended, right? Yeah. And um, I think one of the things Christians have to be is is gracious when they are yeah. experiencing some kind of minor offense. Yeah. I like that you brought up pattern because I think what has been the glue to hold some of my relationships together is the fact that there has been a bit of longevity, but they know they've known me long enough to see the fruit in my life. And, and when we have a conflict over something, it's not the end of the world. Like at the end of the day, they, if it's a difference of opinion, or even if I've approached something poorly because I'm frustrated, um, there's grace because this isn't a pattern. Like they haven't been friends with me for six years and I haven't disregarded their feelings for the last six years. Like this is just something new I'm, I might've done because it's heated in my house. And now I'm discussing the same topic with you that I'm not on the same page with as my husband. I mean, it could be a number of things. And so I think that is important to step back and be able to say, is this something that regularly occurs, especially in times mm-hmm. when we're not this, str- it's not this stressed, or is this mm-hmm. something that I can just, Hey, let's, yeah. let's connect over this differently. Yeah. I think re- having a relationship with the person is huge because mm-hmm. you might al- also say something accidental and uh, you didn't mean to offend someone or mm-hmm. you, you weren't, you weren't thinking that was even offensive perhaps, yeah. but yeah. If, if someone knows me and loves me, they realize, man, I don't think you meant to say that. Or do you realize right. you meant to say this? And then I'm apologizing. Yeah, I'm sorry to mean to say that. Yeah. That's happened to me a lot as a preacher. I've, I've just said things that I didn't know I said or didn't mean to say mm-hmm. or just misspoke. And people <laughs> get upset. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm a human, you know, like yeah. th- that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, one last question. Um, what is one thing that you can share with our listeners that they can consider to do now to help them diffuse a conflict that they may be having? So I use the phrase awkward conversations in the book. That's a mm-hmm. phrase we use a lot in our church. We, we we often say we want to be a church with a lot of awkward conversations. And it's kind of what you just mentioned earlier about uh, the uh, getting out of our comfort zone. Like most of us don't like having uh, one conflict, two, mm-hmm. having to deal with it. <laughs> I would much rather avoid it um, yeah. and or be passive about it and retreat. But and what I found is in these awkward conversations, what I mean is like you're, you're actually confronting the individual or, mm-hmm. you know, they have something against you and you want to go try to make things right. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're mediating a conflict between two friends. That's an awkward time, too, is mm-hmm. that um, it, that Jesus sh- tends to show up in these moments. Uh, I, it's hard to explain. It's almost like he wants us to be peacemakers. It's like we, I, I think we can really anticipate his presence uh, in these moments when when Christians are doing the kinds of things that reflect him, the ultimate reconciler. Um, and so that that would be my takeaway is if if you have a question whether or not you'd need to have a conversation with this person, just go have the conversation. Uh, yeah. don't don't let it linger out there and trust that the Lord will be with you in that moment. Yeah. Oh, that's great. All right. Well thank you so much for being with us today. This was wonderful. Yeah. My pleasure, Kimberly. Thank you. 
You can find Tony on Twitter as Tony Morita. I'll link to that in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.